Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, the soul within a person. Walking the bridge. And less but better. This is Obstacle Course. Here we go. So Andrew, when we pulled up to this beautiful space, um, we saw some horses. We Yep. And that is the plural, horses. It's not he's. <laughs> <laughs> No, no one has ever. <laughs> no one's ever that. thought that. No, and definitely not me. And I asked you the question: Ah, would you like to go for a horsey ride after Andrew? And what was your response? Not, not a lot. No, not really. No, maybe it's because you thought I was going to give you the ride. No, and so I, horses are an animal that I haven't really had a lot of experience around. Yeah. I've, I've had experience around other animals. I love wild animals. I, lo- I love being in nature. But horses—they're uh, just—they were never really my thing. I didn't have a lot of experience. On horseback. No. Um, and neither have I, actually. No. <laughs> I mean, I've ridden like one or two. I know you said, you know, I'm a prairie boy, so you probably imagine that I was like bareback growing up. Well, I wasn't. I could have just seen you, uh, and we'll set the context context in a second here, but I could have just seen you like running out with a huge smile on your face and, and jumping on the horse. Leaping and trying to yeah. Uh, yeah, mount the horse. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that's the actual term. Yeah, I'll leave that alone. Yeah. But Margarita might have something to say about uh, me just running and jumping on the horse. I don't yeah. think she would be a big fan. No, so, no. So to set the scene, everyone, thanks for being here. Um, we are at Trailblazers Retreat Center. Uh, our, our wonderful hosts, Isabel and Margarita, invited us up here months ago. We had first met Isabel at a, a small business conference in the Couchin Valley, and they uh, they generously invited us up here. We got a little bit interrupted by COVID, and this is our first um, our first post COVID. Well, it's still we're still in COVID, but uh, less COVIDy road trip. <laughs> less COVIDy. <laughs> Pretty sure I heard Bonnie Henry use that phrase the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we came all the way up here to beautiful Nanus Bay yeah. in in central Vancouver Island to the Trailblazers Retreat Center, and I mean we're talking it up a lot because it's absolutely oh, stunning. It is stunning. Yeah, and and we we don't get any royalties. From, no, from uh, from no. any sales of. Uh, retreats, retreats that are booked yeah, yeah. <laughs> no we don't but truly truly folks like sometimes things are like a little oversold this is maybe i don't know if it'd be possible to oversell this mm-hmm. you feel like you're in the forest in this beautiful space high vaulted ceilings um exposed wood everywhere uh, yeah. beautifully orderly clean, the clean yeah. really the cleanest place i've ever I've yeah ever and we get into that in. we get into a little bit of the uncluttered uh nature of the the space and what we can learn from that and, and how we can maybe declutter our own lives and our own minds and, and that connection that we get to that towards the end of the podcast. So um, it, it's a really high energy conversation. The two of them are just spectacularly energetic people and it was uh, it's really a joy to be around them. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we want to keep this introduction short. And so um, they said we can go look at the horses after. So I, I just want to kind of go do that now. Do yeah. You, we, anything else we need to say? No <laughs> mounting allowed. Um, yeah. <laughs> today's episode is with Isabel Mercier Turcotte and Margarita Romano. They are, uh, they started Leap Zone Strategies, which our, our dear friend Jim Gardner is also a part of that organization. Yes. And um, it was an absolute pleasure being a part of this today. Enjoy this one, folks. Well, I think uh, we're ready to go ahead and get rolling here. Yeah, I did press record. So I just want to take the opportunity to say thank you for inviting us here to Trailblazers Retreat Center uh, and, and welcome you, Isabella and Margarita, to the podcast, to Obstacle Course. Thanks for being here today. 
Thanks for doing the trek and actually being here with us. We're excited about that. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Very honored. Yeah, yeah it's an amazing space. Um, John and I rolled up and we're like, wow, we're, we're going we're gonna to have a nice time here. We're gonna, we might stick around for a while. The sun is shining. Like, it is gorgeous. We're sitting in a kitchen and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks for inviting us in here. One of the places we wanted to start is a way of, of meeting the two of you online so people can, after... Uh, perhaps after hearing this podcast, they can go and check out this, this TED Talk. Um, so uh, earlier this year, before the entire planet changed, um, the two of you were on stage, shared the stage at, at a TED Talk together. And y- you mentioned the, the continuity with, with leap years and leap zone. And may- maybe that would be a, a good story to, uh, story to share because we, we want to hear a little bit about this TED Talk and about the dynamics of, of being on stage talking about your relationship yeah. uh, both as business partners and life partners and how that how all that unfolds and, and we have a few questions that, that we definitely love to dig into sure well I'll tell you what it's it was an amazing an amazing uh, experience to experience this with Margarita in fact that was her uh, I already had a TED talk and um, Margarita one day said you know would you would you would you want to do another te- another TED talk? Would you want to do one with me? And yeah, yeah. So her immediate response was no, <laughs> <laughs> because her first experience at a TED talk was she grew and expanded a lot from that experience. It's, and you know, it's not for the faint of hearts. I will tell you, it's a seven month grueling process. It is you don't wing a TED talk. It is months of writing and of rewriting i had my first ted talk had 32 versions of script it's it's a and they were not complete changes but you know complete rewrites but there's changes and changes and changes so is that isabel or ted that puts those like standards on that it's it's ted so ted makes you like it's they take you through interesting yeah they take us through so you can't just wing and and i'm also i I, you know there's a lot of isabel in there as well obviously and a lot of well, uh, excellence that we want to put in our work, but it is not for the faint of heart. And she's also dyslexic. So that was a big piece of her first one that she was very, um, the whole memorizing process is a difficult Hell. one. Cause the, like I have a photographic memory. So when I saw the script written, it's like, boom, I get it in my head, but she doesn't have that. And not only that, but what she sees is scrambled. Right. So it's a very different process. For yeah. Her it was to, challenging. To and it's amazing. It's an amazing experience. I do recommend it. Um, but as a result of having gone through this and when, you know, that would be like saying to someone, um, you want to grow your business and you can't because you're, you're moving. Like, of course, Ted helps. It helps credibility and influence. But the time that you're working at, at that, you can't put that much energy in something else, right? So you have to be very careful when you want to do some a, a mammoth project like this that it it's not in the middle of a, a full-on growth space. Yeah, it almost example. sounds like signing up for like an Ironman or something. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because you Kinda. really, it takes a year to like, you change your diet Kinda. and everything is based on the Ironman. Yeah. Right? This is like yeah. the Ironman of words. It's or... dedication. You know, it's, it's <laughs> practice every day. It's one thing to write something that's intelligent. You know, if you have an hour and a half to tell a story or an hour and a half to educate someone, it's easy because you can go, hmm, let me think. Mm-hmm. But when you have... 10 minutes, 8 minutes, 12 minutes oh, sure. to have something that is delivered in tandem to begin with, that adds a degree of, of difficulty. 
Um, and that's intelligent. That's going to actually move and inspire people to shift. It takes, you know, it takes a lot of writing. Then you have to learn it. Then you have to practice it so much. You know it so well that it feels like you're just winging it. Mm-hmm. That takes months. Oh, yeah. And so one of the things that you mentioned um, in, in the tandem TED Talk that you did, yeah. which was excellent, by the way. Thank you. Absolutely worth checking out. Like all this hard work for sure paid off. Um, but was you mentioned a blow up in the dressing room before yeah. going out there. <laughs> Wondering the, how, how much truth there was to that. And, and if there was, uh, please elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> there was, absolutely. Like, and even a few days before and the day of and minutes before. She, so, okay, <laughs> here we go. So let's go there. So when nerves hit the fan... <laughs> Such as they do before a TED Talk. Yeah. My nature is to become the rock. Like She's I grounded. get grounded. She does not. I panic. Yeah, she panics. And so up until the point, like we were on, we were like off stage, they're announcing our names. We she see looks him. At, yeah, she looks at me and she's like, I can't do this. Is it too I'm late? Like, is it too late to back late? out? Yeah. I'm like, uh, yes, it's too late and you're coming on. <laughs> now, having said that, I wasn't 100% serious. Like, I, this is just how I'm very vocal with my nerves. She's not. So it will sound like 10 times probably worse because I'm vocal about it and I, I need to let it out, right? Well, Jim from Leap Zone says that uh, he has a he, he calls it the high vibe tribe yeah and he's he says I'm one of the founding members apparently and maybe you are as well well I'm sure I'm you know sure you, you just you're you live in the moment your emotions in the moment and yeah. that's why we need a, a margarita yeah, or totally. even an Andrew in our yeah, life yeah absolutely kinda, and I will tell yeah. you the moment I walked on stage vroom, yeah it all went we're gonna rock this it, it was just like, boom. But I had had a, a difficult experience on my first one because my biggest fear above, die, above death has always been screwing up in front of thousands of people. Mm. I mean, for me, I don't know why, but I, that just, I, I don't like it. I just, I, it just feels like shit. So, um, and I practiced and practiced and practiced. I knew this TED Talk inside and out, side, sideways, and of course, within the first five minutes, not, not the recent one, the previous one, within the first five minutes, I ad-libbed one sentence, but I had no trigger for that. I'm like, oh, what comes after that? I don't know. But I dealt with it on stage so well that it gave me, uh, this is why she said she learned and expanded and that, that flub, I dealt with it so well that it actually gave me wings for a, a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I'm curious, hearing kind of your process and... and- your mindset going into it margarita when you're about to go on stage or do something of that importance how do you find that steadiness or or is it is that the reality of what's going on inside i had nerves i definitely have nerves and and i could feel them in my legs um and i think it's working with horses that helps me stay find that inner peace in those moments with horses, especially when you're riding horses, one of the things you learn to do is slow things down, slow your mind down so that you're actually present in every action that you're doing in tandem with this beast that is under you, right? Mm. And, um, and so I think that's what I naturally do in those moments is I just slow 
things down Mm -hmm. and it makes it a lot less scary. And even to the point where we were in the middle of that talk and at one point in the talk, I, I go, woohoo, like I do this reaction and my heel got caught because I was wearing this long kind of, anyway, thing. Cape. And my heel, cape, yeah. and my heel got caught in it. And I just like standing on one heel, grabbed the other one, flicked it off the heel and continued. And I was like, oh, blah, 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 and going on with my sentence. And it was only after we were done, I was like, like that could have totally thrown me off. Like wow. in rehearsals, that would have thrown me off. I don't know what, how in that moment it didn't, but it didn't. But something kicks in. Yeah. yeah. Kicks in. So, so I had a similar experience. I was buying lunch today and a button on the back of my shorts caught on uh, a little barrier that was set up for COVID reasons and like knocked like the, the whole thing, <gasps> like 10, 10 feet of this <laughs> oh, over. No. Just like it, somehow the string got caught around my button. I, maybe it's not the same thing. But um, I, I felt it was, uh, there was some was similarities say, there. not the same at all. <laughs> <laughs> you were not in front of. No, I guess that was the main hundreds difference. Hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> but it's the meaning of breaking the barrier. Come on. That's right. Exactly right. Yeah. You, know, you talked about those nerves at the beginning. And I think all the greats feel the nerves before the beginning of anything. I mean, legendarily, Bill Russell, the great basketball player, yeah. would throw up before every single yeah. game. Yeah. Mike Tyson, same thing. Yeah. He, he would be so scared, even though he was so dominant, he'd be so scared beforehand that his trainer taught him to use the fear yeah. as like a fuel. And, and he actually said that that was, ended up being his strength was the fear. And so we talk about it as like, well, yeah, I had the nerves and stuff. And we don't like to experience the nerves, but we need the nerves. Yes, we do. Right? We if do. we didn't that- have the nerves, yeah. then... And that's what I meant earlier when I said, and then something kicks in. But the thing for me is when you're, when I'll speak for myself, when I'm in the fear, I don't always trust that that thing will kick in. Yeah. And that's, that's what point. I fear most. I'm like, what if? Yes. What if it doesn't oh, it was very kick much in? About trust. And literally, yeah. but it always does. It's rarely happened where it kicks in more sometimes than others. But something like that, you know, you practice so much. You've, you've, I mean, it was a three, four times a day practicing it, beginning, middle, and end. We had a structure: day one, beginning; day two end day three middle day four sew it all together mm-hmm. they rest they won't da, da, da. It just mm-hmm. you know but that thing is yes the nerves are you know olympic athletes they oh. actually say that when you say to them are you nervous they go i'm excited because the feeling of excitement and nervousness they merge they blur yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all how we label it. Yes. Right. And and like in your office, it says, oh, sorry, I forgot I have to speak in the mic. (laughs) Andrew and I are sharing a mic today, listeners. (laughs) I'm so excited. excited. I don't need a mic. That's right. But yeah, mindset is everything. It's how you label it. right? right. So if you label it as, say, anxiety instead of excitement you're going to feel the associated feelings yes. and, and it's crazy how you can, yeah. how you can uh, change it. And you know, yeah. the, the thing about that is, as you say, other people as well, like the, the best or the great, they, they puke before an event or, and, and then after we're always thrilled. We did it. Yeah. Yeah. We are thrilled to book it. Then we practice, practice, and we're like, oh, hell, that's a lot of work. But you're, uh, for us, we're very, we love to do good work. So, yes. you know, we threw ourselves in doing good work. Didn't miss a rehearsal, and you know. And then, then you go, why the hell do I do this to myself? Mm-hmm. Why? Why do I do this? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. And then you go on stage, you deliver a great talk, 
And then you're like, that's why I do this. Yeah, so is that fear, that nervousness and worry, which is the word that yeah. it comes up, yeah. um, is that an essential part of the process? Like, it, is it necessary? And if so, what, was, what does that really say about fears that we often have that sometimes discourage us from, from doing things that are important? Well, this is what I'm processing right now. And I'm like, I think that's, you're just nailing. The, <laughs> I was about to mess up that whole saying of nailing, okay. hitting nailing the nail the on the head. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're nailing it. You're <laughs> nailing the thing on the thing. <laughs> um, but I think the difference between excitement and nervousness is where you place fear. So right. fear yeah. in nervousness is leading, right? It could potentially get you to not do what you're about to do because mm. nervousness, if it's big enough, has you stopped, stopped yeah. right? Sure. Whereas excitement, you're aware that you have a fear around it, but you're, the excitement is what's driving you to move through that fear to do what you're mm-hmm. about to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and funny enough, going back to Bill Russell, if he didn't throw up before, the coach would jokingly say, Bill, go throw up. We need you tonight. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, yeah. I believe that 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. But when you're in it, you're like, oh, this is ridiculous. Why do I have to put myself through this? Because yeah, it's painful. Mm-hmm. It is painful. Those feelings of, of, you know, it's harder to breathe. You're hyper aware. Your, your thoughts are just like, uh, it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it's essential. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's yeah, so it's, it's tough. I don't know if you can get past it or even should we get past it? Mm-hmm. Because it would it be, be as process. good? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, this is great already. So I think now would be kind of a, an opportunity to, to jump back a bit because people are seeing you on stage and, and the cohesion there. But we're wondering, we wanted to talk about the, the nucleus, the, the origin story. We, we, John and I talked about Joseph Campbell a lot and we, we spoke about that a little bit before we got on. And you've been together for 30 years and, and have reached that comfort level. But if we can go back in time, what, what, what did your origin story look like? So we met in university. It was the orientation meeting before our semester started. And um, man, what a, what a day. <laughs> <laughs> what a day. <laughs> so, yeah, I was very excited and show up for this orientation meeting. And um, it, we were both, well, I didn't know her at the time. So I was in <laughs> design for the theater. Um, Bachelor of Fine Arts, and um, we were going to meet the dean of the department. He was going to help us choose our courses, tell us what we needed to take in the three-year program, blah, blah, blah. So um, we're waiting for everybody to get there, and for oddly, you were like one of the last people to show up, which I'll is not why. her style. No, I'm always the first. <laughs> <laughs> She's always the first. She's that keener, you know, the one at the front of the class. Yeah. And she showed, I was there before her. This is like a phenomenon too. So, <laughs> really? so yeah, so she walks in and she's like introduces herself to everybody and sits down and anyway. And so I noticed her and then we start and I don't know, maybe a half well, hour. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I waltz in. Yes, it was already started, which is my absolute pet peeve. Uh, but I was coming from Quebec City and this was in Montreal. Because I had applied to this program, I, I was in dance, but I broke my leg and I couldn't actually continue my dance career at that moment. So I re, rejigged to do theater, theater design and special effects for movies. But... Well, wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> rejigged, this is what rejigged right. means, is 
all of us people who were on time and applied and went for portfolio reviews and did the whole process to get accepted into this program, that was already done and sealed. She showed up after the deadline with her kick-ass portfolio <laughs> and managed class- to get herself into this program that I was in after the fact like they had closed I wouldn't it. take no for an answer this is no, what happened yeah. and so I just thought you know they're like the program is full and I'm like but you haven't seen you haven't seen you haven't met me we haven't met and you haven't seen my portfolio and who knows I don't need a desk maybe I could just like study in the corner out on, on the floor like I was totally I wasn't gonna take no for an answer Anyways, all of that to say that they approved me after a lot of uh, a lot of convincing, and uh, and a lot of no. Uh, I don't want to wait a year until I come to this program. It's now that now or nothing. Anyways, so I had to drive from Quebec City to Montreal, which is a two and a half hour drive if there's no traffic and if all goes well. So I, I arrived late. And uh, did I mention that I didn't speak a word of English? And this is an English university. So when she says I introduced myself, that was all in French. I had no English whatsoever. <laughs> the dean didn't speak a word of, Eng- of French. So <laughs> it was welcome to the program and learn the shit on the tops. Otherwise, you won't be able to do anything in this program. And I'm bilingual. So I wasn't, I didn't necessarily pick up on that. I understood her. So she was coming in. She introduced herself. Oh, it was in French, but I didn't process that it was in French. <laughs> and so I didn't really think about what was about to happen which was, as the dean starts explaining things, she's immediately like arm up in the air and, um, okay, I don't understand this. So does this, 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 and she's going, asking all these questions in French. And he's sitting there going, I don't speak French, so I don't understand you. And the rest of us are all around this table watching the two of them speak English I am and French miming, too. guys. Like, yeah, I am like, miming. <laughs> so, and I was extremely shy, like, really shy so we're all watching I'm understanding everything but I'm not saying anything until finally like 20 minutes later I'm like um excuse me like I'm bilingual can I help you guys and then I just went what I turned around looked at her and I went are you do you mean to say that in the last half an hour here you have, I thought she's laughing at me and she's not wanting to help and suddenly she's wanting to help, right? And I was like, I was very grateful, but it was one of those things that I thought, like I would have been helping this person second one, right? And so, but that's how we met. And literally, I, something happened for me. I, I had a three-year uh, relationship with, a, with my boyfriend. Um, I was 18 at the time and I had already been just with him for three years. And um, I, when I met her, my whole world changed. It just, I, I don't know what happened. It was literally, it was love at first sight. And, and I thought to myself, I will marry this woman. Hmm. I didn't even know that gay existed. I wow. come from Quebec City yeah. in, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no talk of that. I was raised fully Catholic. So is she. She's Italian, so of course, Catholic. And <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Need I say more? Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, um, it wasn't on our radar. At all. Neither her. No, I had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And just before starting university, there was something in me that said, I need to break up with him. <laughs> I didn't know why. I just did. And so I did. And then I met her, right? And... And still, I wasn't looking for a relationship with a woman, but we started off. In being... fact, someone had come out to you and yeah, said, actually, you know, hey, I, I, I feel like I'm Somebody falling I in love with. with you. And she said, oh, you know, I'm, 
I'm flattered, but I'm not, I'm not a lesbian. I'm not gay. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that at all. It's just that wasn't in our radar at all. And both of us literally found home in, in each other. It's the weirdest it, feeling. It is uh, it's absolutely fascinating. So glad we went here. Um, like the, the first question I have is what do you attribute that to? Like if you could explain it in any way, I mean, whether, whether you subscribe to spirituality or, yep. or, you know, the universe working in a certain way, like yep. what might be an explanation for that? Because it's, it's just incredible. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my hand up in the air. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> so this is part of what I talk about in my latest book is my journey that I've had in meeting Isabel and having this 30-year relationship with her has really made me realize that for me, I connect with the soul within a person. So the outside wrapper is uh, a byproduct, I guess. Um, because it, And it's not really, yes, can you be attracted to that, to the gender? Yes. Um, but the connection is to the soul of the person. And that's truly what, what we, f- I felt the same because I felt like, I felt we had been together before. Uh, that's how I felt. Do I believe in, you know, reincarnation and all these things? I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like it'd be a waste of a soul if, if the soul was never to come back after a, a short blip on this beautiful planet. Um, however, at 18, we're not thinking, oh, am I coming back to, and then have we met before? No, I'm just going, what the hell is happening to me? And then second thought, my mom's going to kill me. This is what happened, right? I'm like, oh my God, I'm dead. <laughs> so was there any sense of when you did get together, did, did, did you look back on your life and be like, hmm, like this makes sense that, that, I, would be connect, that I, would, I would be attracted to somebody like this? I looked back, was there any but indicators? there was no indicators for me. Nothing. No, there was no indicators of, I've always been a curious human being yeah so to me you know did i have a crush on one of my friends in uh, elementary or, or or secondary school maybe it's you know I, it happens those things but i never thought oh this is going to be my life or this is in fact we've always said this we're together we've been together for almost 30 years i cannot say that i would be with a woman if we weren't together yeah i can honestly right. say that i i can't say that I will be with who I fall in love with, whomever that is. It's just such a pure love is, is what it sounds like. We're, yeah. we're so into categories and like mm-hmm. you said, the rappers and the, well, uh, you know, are you born gay? You know, like all these, all these discussions we have in, in society. But, but just the fact that, well, I mean, you were surprised by love, it almost seemed like. Yes. Like it wasn't a plan. Like it, it was wasn't just a like, plan. There I was, was a connection at you, the package for sure, yeah. right? At the, the form. Uh, but to a point where my mom had said, because it took two years, two years before we told anybody, because I, we didn't want to create a kerfuffle for nothing. You know, if, if that we're had like, been a little phase, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in university. We're like, isn't this where people experiment? <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's experiment, right? <laughs> but I remember my mom, when I, when I let her know, it's not like we came out because you know, we have gay friends, lesbian friends, heterosexual friends. And when you uh, hang out with, gay people for example they they will say to us you know don't be hypocrite don't classify yourself as gay because you're not 
Hmm. It doesn't mean with 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 we are with one another that we are gay. If gay is like you would not be with the other sex, and that is with the opposite sex. I mean, so for me, my mom had said you lied to me for two years. I said, well, technicalities here. No, you never asked me if I was in love. You always asked me if I had a boyfriend. Mm. And no, I don't have a boyfriend. But had you said, Isabel, are you in love? Mm-hmm. I would have been forced to say yes. And then uh. we would have been forced to actually have that conversation probably prior to when I would be ready. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it, and, and thank you for bringing it up. It, it must have been, I mean, we talk about obstacles all the time. As, as in Quebec in the 80s, oh. it, as two women being together it, it, with, in Catholic families, I, I can only imagine that must have brought up some conflict or, or oh, challenges. Yeah. So I wonder if you might be willing to get into that a little bit. Yeah, it was definitely challenging. It was challenging. I think it, the biggest challenge, on, for me anyway, was my struggle with it. Um, I had one of my best friends at the time came out to me telling me he was gay. And we were in that two-year window of us first and being together. Share. And I couldn't say, Isabel's actually my yeah. partner. Yeah. yeah, Like, I couldn't even go there. And um, a lot of it for me had to do with not wanting to disappoint the people in my life. And that's something that I've actually that's, that's had... That's a ridiculous thought when you think about this now, today. right? Well, but it's, it's, it's a feeling. It's living for other people. Yeah. Right? And so that's something that's been a constant for me that I have to check in on. Um, And in terms of the struggle, I think also we underestimate people because the people in my family that I thought and actually my entire family thought would have issues with this didn't. Like, Like she said, my father is Italian, so I'm half Italian, half French. And when my family knew, when I shared it with all of them, they, you know, they heard me and took that information in. And then we had decided as a family not to tell my grandparents, my Italian grandparents, so my yeah. father's parents, right? Because they're like, you know, they're older. They're just let's not go there. They're amazing. I love them. And, uh, and then one day my aunt, who's my dad's sister, got asked by my grandparents, you know, she never brings a boyfriend. Like, are her and Isabel together? And my aunt couldn't lie. She, she was like, yes. And apparently my grandfather turned around, looked at my my grandmother and said, I told you! (laughs) And then he said to my aunt, you know, we had that in our day too. (laughs) So yeah, so this whole protective thing that was going on to protect them really didn't need to happen. And I think we feel, we we project how we think other people are going to think. And then we agonize about that, and then it, it kind of stops us from doing the thing. Oh, yeah. It gets us into a lot of trouble yeah. when we create a story for what the other person is thinking, yeah. and then we judge that story that we yeah. think that they might be thinking, and then we just, yeah. we're all worked up. The biggest thing for me, my mom, we're very emotional in my family. Like, we will cry and fight and laugh and, you know, be very loud at dinner. We're just like that. Um, so, but for me, I had two years to think about it. See, we had to remember that we've been pondering this for two years. When you break the news to someone like that, you have to give them some time to digest. And my mom is so, we're so emotional. She puked. (laughs) (laughs) So she actually puked. And my stepdad said, you know, you really picked a wrong day to tell her that. And I'm like, you know what? 
There is no right day. There is no right moment. This is a truth moment. And it's about me and I'm ready to share it now. So if you're not ready to listen to it and absorb it, that's your thing. I've done my journey. I'm still doing my journey. You've got your journey to do. And that is your thing. And we just have to be respectful of each other's point in each other's journey, I think, you know. Well, and something you said, Margarita, about um, you didn't tell anyone for a few years because you didn't want to disappoint anyone, mm -hmm. right? But that also came up with your story, with your, your second fear, besides death, by the way, yeah. is really disappointing a crowd of people. That's right. Not being good enough for them. Yeah. And, and I'm just wondering why, like, this is so human. That's such a human fear. And, and yeah. I, I immediately connected with that. Um, you know, I, I've struggled with anxiety on and off for the last 10 years. And one, one time when I really reflected on it, it was always because I was envisioning how somebody would respond to something I did or didn't do. And that's why I had the, the feeling. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's such a waste of time because, because most people aren't really thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you, first of all. Totally. <laughs> you know, most people so are thinking true. about themselves, really, you yeah. know, and, and but yet... Here you are, you know, such a thing you're proud of. You're in love with this wonderful lady and you didn't want to disappoint anyone. And, and mm. here you are, you know, you're ready. You know, you're ready to yeah. kill it. Yeah. But yet, oh, what if I disappoint everyone who came? Yeah. Is that something you, you still struggle with or do you have any wisdom on how not to do that? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure 100% of our listeners struggle with that. Yeah. As do Andrew and I, I still <laughs> struggle with that. I, I struggle with that probably on a daily basis if I'm, if I'm to be super honest like it's it's a constant play in my mind but what I do on a and of course we help each other but I always go back to this is not about me mm. right it's not about me it's about the message that I want it's about how I want the message to land but because I'm and we are we're all designers of our own experience in our own lives and I want to create an outstanding experience for other people therefore I don't want to skip in the beat I want this to like flow and to be great and but tell you what when I flubbed on stage in front of thousands of people I was at the Queen Elizabeth theater in mm. Vancouver plus mm. all the the streamer streamers online um, the way I dealt with it which was I, I had to surrender right I had to just be me, which I don't know how to be anyone else anyways, but I had to just go, well, ha, don't I feel like, a, you know, I, I don't know where this goes, but it was such a real honest moment. People in the audience came to see me after. I still get comments from that going, the way you dealt with that gave me wings to be able to do one because I didn't fake it I didn't I just surrendered and I was honest with it I actually had fun I, I have the flubby version it would be worth for you to watch it just because of the way I, I dealt with it and it's literally it's one of those things that I had to remind remind myself this is not about me right now this is about the moment this is about their experience this is about what is being shared and it's going to be clunky it's going to be green it's going to be pink it's going to be different colors and you know what People love that. People don't like plastic flowers. No. You know, people like real. Mm -hmm. And I think so long as I remind myself, just be real and just be present, that just solves it. But just real flowers are a hell of a lot more work. They are a hell of a lot more work. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm glad we went here because I was curious and, and I um, there was a connection to be made between um, being honest about your relationship and... The, the work you do 
in branding and and that connection is authenticity yes and like how you never would have been able to have a career in branding mm-hmm. and and to the scale that you are now if, if you weren't authentic and that starts with being authentic and honest to ourselves that's right that's right and I remember years ago you know I mean I have a mohawk on my head and and I work with large large corporations also small mom and pop shops but you know at the time we work with big corporations and people would tell me after a speaking gig you know they'd say and the the, the talk wasn't about Authentic. It was about authenticity, but I never said "be you." I, those words never came out, even though it, they came out in different ways. But people would go, "You have just given me permission to be more me," mm-hmm. and that is precisely what branding is. A lot of people think branding is a logo, branding is a website, branding is a branding is an experience. Uh, is how people feel about you, and it's how you're what you're known for and what you want to be known for and what you exude in terms of energy and in terms of accountability and in, in terms of innovation. And But truly, it's about being more you. And I remember one day someone said to me, I've been branded a couple times and I've never been... I've never been good with the result. And I'm like, well, no one has ever been able to extract the true essence of you because branding isn't applying something on, it's extracting what is Mm. and highlighting what is, right? Yeah, there's that quote about branding is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Correct. That's that's in in, uh, (laughs) in in one of my presentations. Yeah. Yeah. And um, would you say branding and reputation are pretty similar? Yes. Yeah, branding is what people remember you by, right? So if you think you're green and everybody thinks you're pink, I'm sorry, but you're pink, right? And and often it sort of comes down to how you made people feel. It it, it is entirely that. Right. You know, there are some experiences that we all experience amazing experiences out there, and but we experience more hiccups. You know, that you go somewhere, there's a hiccup, there's a hiccup, there's a hiccup. We don't remember the hiccup if the hiccup was dealt with nicely Mm -hmm. and intelligently and humanly. But if it's not, then you will remember the hiccup and then you will talk about this company or this person with that lens. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, something I was curious about, uh, one of the questions I had coming in, and I, I think it's, I want to ask it even more now, but in terms of your own roles and dynamics, uh, both in your relationship and, and in business, um, because you're, you're operating on both those planes, which is yeah. a, a challenging thing to do. Yeah. Um, how did you create your roles uh, so that you would work effectively as a team um, and were there any hiccups with that at all? <laughs> no, there was no hiccups whatsoever. Perfect, so next question. <laughs> <laughs> there are does, hiccups does every go, day. Does this go back to the dressing room before the TED Talk? Oh man, <laughs> you know, no, but truly we, over time we've we've discovered and uncovered how to best work together and how to tap into each of our genius yeah and so how do you do that and because what can happen with certain relationships in a business sense or otherwise is you you don't get to that point like it it fizzles out and it doesn't work out and maybe that relationship wasn't meant to be Mm -hmm. but maybe if people worked it did Uh certain things then they could figure out how to best operate effectively within certain roles I think we cover that a lot in in that TED Talk uh, mm-hmm. called um, "How to Increase Your Units of Happiness." Um, you know, we have be bold together, right? be brave. Be, sorry, be brave together, flow together, and grow together. And those three things are key. 
um, it takes a lot of honesty to grow, right? It takes a lot of honesty and courage to say what we need to say. And I remember, you know, a couple, five years, six years ago, Margaret, I was not happy. In fact, we almost let each other go a few times, three times that I can really, yeah, three times in our 30 years. And it, they were serious. You know, we were really putting everything back on the table going, are we, are we recommitting to one another or are we not? Um, but every time it's about saying the things that we don't want to say or are fearful to say when they need to be said, we wouldn't be sitting at Trailblazers today had she not been brave. Mm -hmm. And to say, I am not happy in this business, the previous business we had, or the previous um, combination that we had, and had she not been open with that, then it, we we wouldn't be here today. So, Margarita, you t you were open about that in the TED Talk. Mm -hmm. uh, you said things like um, sleepless nights, puffy mm -hmm. eyes, mm -hmm. and and things like that. And 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 I think in the talk you're referring to you had a rock rockin' business in Vancouver, a branding business, it was seemingly super successful, but you weren't fulfilled. No, um, not anymore. Not. Which is which as you said in, in the talk, which is interesting, right? How could you not be? You know, it's, you know, well, you're, you're successful. That, that what, equals fulfillment. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm being facetious if yeah. you haven't figured that out. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so what, why, like you want to unpack that feeling a little bit? Yeah. Um, and why? I, I mean, it was a struggle because on the outside, again, it's package versus what's on the inside. Right. Mm. And, um, and on the outside, I was like, we no, have on, on the outside. Yeah. Sorry. On the outside. <laughs> I it it looked like I had everything right the business was great had a great relationship we were taking like 16 weeks off a year I think at that point wow. traveling the world I had my dog like we had the condo and we Yelltown. had barely like, no expenses had right it was super simple life yeah and um and but I was like on the inside I was so not sparked mm. I was not fulfilled by what I was doing I felt like somewhere there was something I was meant to be doing that would have a bigger impact or a bigger footprint or that would even have me feel connected. I wasn't feeling connected to others through what I was doing. It must have been so hard because I'm guessing, Isabel, you were like just in your element loving it. And it must have been hard for you to even be courageous to say that knowing what it was going to mean. Well, because cause it's like, if I say this, like I'm, I'm I can risk something has I to risk change. Everything. Yeah. There's a big risk in in opening up like that for sure. Oh, massive. Well, yeah. it was it. I was potentially going to pop her bubble, right? Like, and she had this was a great bubble for her. She really was rocking in that role, right? So, so how did you know it was worth it to 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 open up that conversation? Because I wasn't changing, and it was only getting more and more depressing for me, and. We've always been coached from day one of having our business, yeah. which was very early in our relationship, our first business. Um, we've always had a third party that, because we realized, we're like, you know, we're it's business and life, and we need that yeah. outside perspe perspective. So it was my coach in one of our sessions that just, she asked, she asked me, she just asked, it was a simple question. It was like, what's going on? Like you seem unhappy or something. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment that I thought, Margarita, it's now or never. Mm -hmm. You know, she's there. She can help 
you know, guide and mediate what's going, what's about to go down, you know, as I share where I'm actually at. And so that's when I did it was in that kind of space. Yeah. And for me, it was, uh, I, I always want Margarita to tell me what it is, whatever it is. We tell each other everything and it's important. And what she feared was my reaction. Right, because I could have said, um, "I'm happy here. Take your shit and get out." Right? I, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I, that'd be my style. Right? You, have, so, you have to remember how we met, right? Yeah. We, we yeah. met with her giving me shit. So, <laughs> so of course we we could have ended with that, yeah. right? But, but truly, and for me, I I saw that as both a a challenge, an obstacle for sure. But knowing that that obstacle, there is no there's no obstacle that leads to a greater obstacle in the moment. It, it always leads to something better. And how how would it have been a me to say, my life rocks, yours doesn't, um, we're good. No, we're not good. You know, if, if my half, if part of my half isn't happy, then I it is my responsibility as well as hers to really look into that. And I became more curious about it and going, how can we? And listen, we position things for a living. If If... If I, if I can position everything for every company, I think I can position working with horses and mixing that with business growth and branding and positioning. And so we did, but yeah. But you know, you're sort of saying it like, well, of course, you know, I would do this for my partner, but that is not the normal story for most people. Unfortunately, I would, I would think a lot of people may never speak up and there may be people trapped at jobs, trapped in situations, in relationships forever and never living their truth. And so I, yeah. I just think, you know, listeners, you know, it, it's such a great example, Margarita, for you to, what, what a transformative decision that was for mm-hmm. you for you to, to speak up. Yeah. And, and then, lo and behold, you did have a good reaction. Well, obviously, you're here, you know? Yeah, but I mean, you it know? wasn't a pink, it wasn't a, 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 a rainbow, you know, story and no. rainbows and unicorns. I'm sure there was, was some there friction. There was a lot and, of friction yeah. moments and me feeling after that that I was alone um, continuing the business while she was getting clear and there was some friction there for sure. But I will tell you that I don't know if I think we've grown because of coaching and because of all that, the help that we ask other people to help us, we've grown that way. I don't know that had we had no coaches and no help outside of our little cocoon, uh, maybe we would have come to that realization, but it might have taken a few more years before we got there. I don't know. Like, we don't have any of this dialed in. We just speak up probably faster than we used to and fa- and slower than we will in the future, yeah. right? So I, I, think, I think, too, it's about, because I'm actually just now in this moment, making the connection between um, the disappointment piece again and disappointing others. And in that moment of us sharing that we were a couple with our families, we were choosing ourselves as a couple. And in that moment where I chose to talk to her about my unhappiness, I placed myself first, right? Mm -hmm. I chose me because that's what I had to do. And that's what I was fighting. I was, it was the disappointment piece again, right? I didn't want to disappoint her. And I knew I was going to, that was the worst part. With, the, with coming out, so to speak, in the other scenario, we didn't know if we were going to disappoint people or not. We assumed. It definitely put a put a stick in my wheel, for sure. And in the wheel that was, it wasn't my wheel, it was the wheel. It put a stick in the wheel. Um, but 
man, what a, what a journey to discovery. What a journey to moving through to something better. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's listening who might be facing that truth that is ugly and might create disappointment in someone they care about, but, but it's keeping them from being, from being fulfilled? Yeah. What, what, would you, what would you tell that person who's listening? Stay connected to yourself. Stay connected to what your gut is telling you to do and what your gut is drawing you to do and be as a person. You know, it's funny that you say that because for me, yes, mm. yes and, but for me, I go to what if my gut is wrong? Because I, I, my head, I'm a, I have huge intuition, but I'm a head person. So I trust my head sometimes more than my intuition. And I'm sure that many people have gone through feeling like this. Um, so for me, you're good at following your gut. You're better than the average Joe at following your gut. So I have witnessed. For me, I fear my gut because I sometimes had I followed my gut, I would never, I would not have had one tech thought, let alone two. I, I was, I was afraid. I didn't want to, but then I thought. Is, am I not moving forward? But then I thought, that's her thing, right? That's not your gut. That's your head. <laughs> but that's my point. My point, though, is I sometimes mix what is my gut and what is my head, and I don't know what to listen, and then it muddles my way of thinking, and then I doubt that. Therefore, I might not make a move. Right? I, yeah, totally, you know what I mean? totally identify with yeah. what you're saying. I think a lot of listeners do as well. In my experience... Um, when I'm stuck in my head, it's because the main player is control right. and me wanting to control things yeah, yeah, and control my experience and what's happening. And the gut, you know, it's annoying because it wants to take you beyond what's known, yeah. you know, to perhaps something better like you experienced. Yeah. Actually, when you left Vancouver, this is amazing. Um, but, but we can't quite control it and we got to kind of trust this hidden yeah. side of life. Totally. Right. And when we're in our head, you know, we 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 think we're still in charge. But, um, you know, as we learn, we're not we're not really as in charge as we think. we are. Yeah, no, for I mean, sure. if anything, the pandemic has shown us that. Right. We're really 100%, not in charge. For sure. And so I just wondered, I wondered, you know, I was saying I relate to that. But also, do you feel like control is something that you fight or mm -hmm. um, or you feel like you have a good balance with? I have good balance with that sometimes. And some other times I fight control all the time. Mm. Um, and, and I remember years ago when we first sold our, when we first, our, our, when we sold our first business in 2006. Well, that was, that was a, a mouthful. You got there. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> um, I remember going to, we were at the end of, at the end of our rope really with that business. I mean, it was going well and we just didn't, we didn't want that anymore. We wanted more. And there, there was a, in 30 years, there's a few of these moments, right? It's not, yeah. And so we went for a walk with our coach. Instead of coaching in the office, we went for a walk. We went around the science world and Granville Bridge and all that. And uh, at the beginning of Granville Bridge, the question was, what would you do? What would, what do you want to do? Do you want to continue? Do you want to make it better? Do you want to sell it? Do you want to dismantle it? And we had to make a decision. And we, made, we had the length of Granville Bridge to make the decision. Mm -hmm. We could not consult. Uh, and we had to just say our piece at the end of Granville Bridge. And we had the same answer. Mm. And, and it was sell. Luckily. 
Luckily, it was the same answer. Or else you just walk the bridge again. <laughs> <laughs> we walk the bridge Get until the I can enter. As long as nobody jumps off. No, exactly, exactly. But that that decision was based on our coach. Simple, simple question. He had said the the famous question that we we get asked all the time: If you had all the money in the world, what would you do? And I said I would take a year off hmm. at that point. And then we walked the bridge, and then we decided to sell, and then take take a year off. That's precisely what we decided to do. But I, my fear there, my control was one. Wow! In a year, a lot happens. When I come back, I, who am I going to be in a year? In my industry, I'll be gone. I, the technology will have advanced, and everything will have changed. And what it, what what will come of me? Right? His answer was, Yeah, but have you ever thought about what you're missing by not doing a year off? And that, I had never thought of it that way. Simple, right? I had never thought of it that way. Yeah, and that's, I was going to say basically the same question. And, and when you're faced with your decision, Margarita, the question that people can ask themselves is, what is the cost of not facing Correct. the truth? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think what's really difficult for most human beings, including all of us here at the table, I'm assuming, is that in order to leap We feel as human beings, uh, and I'll speak for myself for now in case that doesn't resonate, but you know, if I'm at the top of a tree or mid, midway through a, th a tree and I want to move to another tree, you know, I'm, I want to move to a tree that I'm seeing. I'm like, you know, I, before I leap, I want to have a landing spot. But the thing is, the landing spot, if you can see it, if you can smell it, if you can feel it, most of the time, it isn't the greatest landing spot or the landing spot that could be so much better for you. Mm -hmm. But the faith that it takes to let go and fly without the next landing spot, that's where, that's what, that's why people don't speak up or don't share because they're like, you know what? Better the devil, you know, than yeah. the devil you don't know, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. So I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the horse part of the equation here because um, that's such a big part of, of what you do here and maybe just one way of, of tackling that or, or at least stepping into that realm is what have you learned from horses that you hadn't learned uh, from interacting with, with people? Whoa. <laughs> okay. Um... What have I learned? I've learned a ton. So much. Um, I think what I can say is the biggest focuses, the biggest impact that they have had on me and on the people that I've worked with is on being present, how much that can change your experience of life, being present and really focusing on what is happening right now, every moment, now, 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 and not what will happen or what has happened. Um, horses are very present. They have a lack of ego. Um, so Which is amazing. It is. Um, it's also amazing that they don't use words to s communicate. <laughs> Because it really, for me, I, that's also a big learning piece. Um, I have really learned to listen beyond words. Mm -hmm. um, and really it, take in a full experience of a person because of how I need to be with horses in order to understand them, I can't, it's not words, right? I have to really tune into their energy, their behavior, their actions, the slightest facial movement, the ears, the, you know? So it really has me pay attention to people in a very different way and often hear things that are not being said. 
from from people that's probably the biggest piece mm-hmm. that i've learned and the yeah. thing that i would add to that is how humans have thousands and thousands of words horses have thousands and thousands of little tiny little as you said right a, a move a, a flicker of a mm-hmm. of an eye and but they all mean something they they are all about reflecting what's happening for us and um and it's also the energy they carry behind the the eye lift or the like my even just between different horses my mare is the boss and she just needs to pin her ears to her head and sends any of the other horses away that's like a a finger basically (laughs) right and they just move away and it's very calm but very clear whereas when the boys want their own space it's not they'll pin their ears but they still push so it ends up being biting kicking and they get physical about it right to say buzz off Mm. um but the mare because of the energy like we call it her stink eye like (laughs) just when she pins those ears and it's the look and it's like that you don't want to be around her and that's what she's sending with the movement but it's only for like one split second yeah as soon as she gets what she wants that's that's gone right yeah and so the tool the the partnering with uh horses have given margarita and us and in our work with our clients they're they're lie detectors they are uh uh, essence extractors um, they're just fantastic to work with and the transformation that we are able to do now with these five amazing horses is I would say a thousand times deeper and and more long more long lasting than anything we've ever done with our clients before so that's why now for me we're talking about this whole change in in our business and how we were going to mix all of these weird things together man it has bettered our coaching division it has bettered our branding and marketing division because it's all about understanding what is and bettering the and, and extracting the essence of someone and getting rid of blocks and and sticks in the wheels and man it's so freeing it's insane well and and listeners like if you were here you would see the transformation i mean you were in a 700 square foot house in vancouver of all places you know millions and millions of people and now you're i mean i think we're just in the forest somewhere yeah (laughs) i I just follow google maps that's right we're in the forest and and we're and we're talking about horses it's just like what a dramatic change i mean really um, but but I love, you know, and a common theme that, that keeps coming up with you, Margarita, is just that hidden side of life, like that, that y- you see a horse, and you know, oh, this is an animal, but but if you pay attention and you know how to pay attention, you see much more. Um, I'm not surprised you're a writer. The, the best writers um, are great because they can put words to the things that we tend to walk past mm. or ignore. Or, or not even or, notice. Or not see, yeah. right? And, and so d- d- maybe it's a good point to, to chat a little bit about your book. Um, what what is, what is your book about? Do you, do you want to kind of give a little pitch? Yeah, sure. Um, so the book's called Sitting on the Fence, and it's how to love without limits. And it's based on our story, actually, of Isabel and I. Um, and the Sitting on the Fence title came from what we were talking about earlier, about um, I realized that I connect to the soul within a body and not necessarily the, the shell, right? And so um, Sitting on the Fence, to me, is about seeing that the grass is green on both sides. There is no difference. It's not better on one side or the other. Mm. Um, But yeah, the book is about how we met. And uh, it's mostly in those first two years, um, 
I do share stories outside of that, but it mostly focuses on those two years and all the learnings that came from those two years. Um, so it's written in a sense that the first half of a chapter is a piece of our life or my life, which is hilarious, say. by the way. <laughs> it's, it's well, funny. Isabel's as... depicted pretty comically, which is <laughs> is pretty accurate, I think. It's but um, but yeah, so it's yeah, a piece of my life, and then learnings from that piece of my life is mm. how the the book unfolds. Basically, and you know, we've had people um, that that we don't know that have gotten the book and that they send us videos. Uh, they read the book together mm. and they send us videos of the conversations and they reiterate some of the conversations that that book has had them have. And um, it's just amazing to receive so much um, amazing feedback and just people willing to share their experience of how that book has impacted them through in the middle of reading it and giving us sending us some emails and comments and videos. And it's just been amazing, actually. Mm. It was also a big piece of my journey after the whole conversation of telling Isabel that I was unhappy, right? That the horses was a major outcome of that, but so was writing the book because up until that point, my role, one of my roles in our businesses up until then was the, being the writer. But for corporate, like at the time, way back was brochures because websites didn't exist. <laughs> so I would write brochures and collateral and that kind of stuff. Then it switched to websites and, then it uh, switched to her being a, a, ghost, a ghost writer, writer. for uh, books that you very well know on, on the shelves. But all mm. business related. Yeah. And I'd never written anything with my name mm. on it. Right. So that's mm. where that came to from mm. this book. So, yeah, a big part, a big product of, of that decision and, and the stories behind it are uh, is this this home, this retreat center, Trailblazers, where we're sitting right now. And mm-hmm. and. Perhaps as, as, a, as a final question, I, something that struck us when we arrived here was, was the lack of clutter and, and the incredible organization. And, and I think there's, there's more to it than just wanting to be tidy and clean yeah. and organized. Because we, we live in a world where there's so much busyness. Mm-hmm. And you came from a place in Vancouver mm-hmm. where it was, there was so much going on. And, and you took a step back and... and you're now in an environment of peace. And I, I just wonder, um, what what can people learn from the growth that you've experienced from decluttering, from organizing mm-hmm. and simplifying your own lives? I'll, I'll, I'll take that one initially. Um, you know, I, I was raised a minimalist. Um, and it's all about less but better. And so everywhere in my life at growing up, it was all about I could do whatever I wanted or I could have whatever I wanted so long as I was able to pitch it intelligently and prove that I was okay with the trade-offs because with every good or bad decision, it doesn't matter, with any moves, there is a trade-off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's we believe in less but better. We believe in everything has a purpose and a place. So as we work with clients, we always look at systematizing certain things, simplifying. You saw a poster that was, it's complicated until, uh, it's simple until you make it complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a need for both of us to be clean with that and not have burden. It's, you know, when you're organized, you're, it's a reflection of what's going on, going on in your mind. You know, a cluttered mind usually will have a cluttered space and a cluttered life. 
So it's about keeping ourselves as decluttered as possible, as honest and authentic as possible. And everything has a purpose and a place. And if we haven't used something in a certain amount of time, usually about six months, then we will really look at possibly giving it away. We give a lot, you know, giving it away or selling it or not, not just, there's no need for it. And if, if in three years from now we need something again, then we'll just reacquire it if we need to. But truly it's about being organized and, and being freer. It brings a certain level of peace of mind that, and it, it allows everybody for us anyways, to prioritize. Is this more important than that? Well, it's those are questions that are important to ask because if if everything is as equally important every day and as urgent every day, then life is shit. I'll tell you this, you know. And probably nothing gets done. <laughs> nothing, nothing of true value gets done. Yeah. And then, or a lot of shit gets done, but nothing that is really fulfilling, for example. And mm. I'm not saying I sit here in fulfillment 100% every day. No, that'd be a total lie. There's, there's days where I'm wondering, you know, what the hell do we do? Why do we do this? Why do we do this to ourselves? Why, why? We were very simple in a 700 square foot in, in, with a paid off condo, right? But it's all about less but better. And... Um, Essentialism? Yeah, totally. It really is. It's, it's all about less but better and prioritizing what truly matters, you know? And, and if I can add a, another spin, yeah. <laughs> I would add to that I feel that the essentialist approach and less clutter and space allows room for people to be. Yeah. It, because everything mm-hmm. is energy, right? Everything. So the more stuff you have in a place, the more energy that occupies and the less room for you to be. Mm-hmm. So I, Trailblazers for me, in, in a lot of aspects, including the equine work, is about people and helping people find themselves and connect to why they're here. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm guessing you've learned some of that too from dealing with horses, right? Because I'm, I'm guessing, I'm totally just making this up right now. I could be wrong, but I'm guessing horses are super sensitive to oh. changes in energy from humans oh. and they can really detect it. Am I, am I right on that? <laughs> Most animals are, right? And so I'm guessing that has helped, you know, just bring that principle home even more is just seeing the impact of our energy and our choices and, and, and things like that. So having a space in which somebody can be and not, you know, be kind of overcome by yeah. negative energy is, is awesome. And, and it makes me want to make my bed more. I mean, yeah. sorry, sorry, Angie. Angie does make the bed, but it just in my life, it makes me yeah. want to make no, my bed more. No, I get more, that. I totally get I'm that. Yeah. Maybe know, this is a good thing for Angie. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, jump right in. <laughs> it's a king size. It takes forever. <laughs> and you know, horses are so sensitive. They yeah. are one of the most sensitive animals of that size, right, truly. Right. Uh, and they, they do read. And I mean, this is her forte mainly than mine, for sure. But... Um, they're part of our hiring process because it, they they give us wow. so much information. There are times where she'll come into my office and I've been there all day and wow. she'll go, what's going on with you, Isabel? This is what the horses are doing, no. mm. right? And it's it, there's never, it's, it, there's always a link. We know days before when, when we have a retreat, when people arrive, we know before their level of, uh, their level of energy, before people even come on our property just by their behaviors wow that is absolutely fascinating and um i think 
But now it's it's time for us to go and meet the horses. Nice. So, yeah. Ho- hopefully this goes well. I'm kind of nervous now. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. If they yeah. don't like us, we're not allowed to publish a public. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably have some learning to do. Um, yeah, I just want to thank both of you for your time and, and for your hospitality. Um, can't recommend highly enough just the experience from just coming in here for the last hour or so. It's, it's been magical and, and um, has been... A, a life-changing experience already from just absorbing the energy and and we look forward to even more nice well thank you're you. welcome yeah thank you i um thrilled thrilled about this this these conversations you guys are just amazing souls and uh it was a pleasure to have you and you are welcome here anytime hey nice awesome thanks thank you and that's the episode Thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can find us at all the usual places, obstaclecoursepodcast.com. We're very active on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast. And speaking of Facebook, we have a great new growing community called the Obstacle Course Community that you can join, dialogue with Andrew and I and your fellow listeners about the previous week's episode and any obstacles you're dealing with. And we do appreciate reviews, whether it's on iTunes, Google, Facebook, whatever. It helps people find the podcast. And it has nothing to do with our fragile eagles. Well... Uh, you know, we just like to hear back from great people just like yourself. Thanks for listening, everybody. Keep pushing through those obstacles.